Well, it's a pleasure now to greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, just say, may the Lord bless you and give you peace and um, health and strength. And also that you might experience him and his presence as the Holy Spirit lives in you and works through you for his glory during these uh, weird, weird times. Uh, Here we are. As God has called us, as I try to say just nearly every week, he's called us to live in these times, and he's also equipped us for these times. I don't feel equipped, and you probably don't feel equipped either, but it's a day-by-day thing, a moment-by-moment thing as we walk with him, and we do what Paul said in the book of Galatians. I like the way um, the New International Version puts it. Um, I don't always like the NIV, but I like this one. Uh, where we might think of the uh, verse, walk in the Spirit. The NIV says, keep in step with the Spirit. And I think that really is, that's the Christian life. We've got to keep in step with the Spirit. Where is God leading and what is God doing? And uh, so many times I think we are trying to figure out what we want to do and then we want God to put his blessing on it. And I think really what we ought to do is stop for a moment Find out what God is doing and where he's working and how he's blessing and then get, on, get involved in what he's doing because there are uh, different things for different times and truth is always the same, of course, but uh, maybe some different activities and that certainly would fit with this time of COVID-19. And uh, thinking about that, let me just say thank you to Brother Dale and thank you to all of you, uh, all of our musicians uh, great job this past Sunday night. And also, um, I was uh, very uh, pleased with the number of people that showed up live. And then there were uh, well over 100, I don't know what the count's up to now, that watched it on live stream. I mean, a lot of people um, participated in that service Sunday night, either in person or by live stream. And I appreciate that very much and glad that you all were able to be a part of us and a part of what God is doing and pray that uh, he will continue to bless. Now, coming up on the 20th, we are going to be having another Sunday evening services. We're just kind of, you know, putting our toe in the water and seeing how people respond and uh, also seeing what Um, COVID numbers do after it's over. We've had a little bit of an uptick lately in our church, and uh, we don't want to, you know, turn that into more than what it, you know, it is, and we want people to get uh, over it and get better and all of that. So uh, we're kind of trying some things, so bear with us. And, um, you know, we always kind of walk that fine line. I mean, uh, where I sit on all of this, Um, It's not an either one or the other type thing. Um, We've got some people that are really, really nervous about all of this. And if I take a cavalier attitude like I know some of you might have, then uh, it offends them and it hurts them and divides the church further. And that's not a good thing to do. On the other hand, if I go the other way toward the people that are really afraid of all of this, then there are some of you uh, that, you know, don't understand and you think it's all kind of a hoax or something like that. And so we're trying to walk in that uh, lane to where we can 
be responsible and yet at the same time not live in fear. And we're also trying to do everything we can not to uh, make a big charge forward like I've seen some churches do and then all of a sudden have this outbreak and you know, then have to back up. We don't want to do that. We're just going to take it uh, very, very cautiously. And yet at the same time, we want to uh, keep in step with the Spirit. And understanding that as we do that, the Spirit is leading us to do more than just come to church. And maybe this is what the Lord is teaching us, particularly our church. Being faithful to God is a whole lot more than showing up at a particular time, at a particular place, for a particular thing to go on. Now, I don't mean to discount that, but at the same time, there's a whole lot more to it than that. So as you are, um, you know, kind of navigating through this, think about things that you can do in prayer. That This ought to be a time of tremendous prayer from the saints of God. This also ought to be a time where we try to find alternative ways to minister. And um, <clears throat> this isn't necessarily an alternative way, but um, the staff love offering is a huge way. You can be a blessing to these men who help you and who serve you, and I want to encourage you to do that. But I also want you to think about this. What are some other ways that you can uh, you know, help other people? Um, every once in a while, my wife or my mother-in-law will get a card or a letter from somebody in the church in the mail. There are some of you who do that regularly, and I appreciate that. Probably there's a ministry in that, of staying in contact and, uh, you know, phone calls and those kind of things that, that you can do. And I, I would like to encourage you to do that. also want to remind you that we're doing another outreach to our community um, with all of the surge in hospitalizations. I know sometimes there's a little bit of controversy about whether the um, tests, you know, and the cases, positive and negative, you know, how many do we really have and how are they counted and all of that. I, I understand that. Uh, and I understand that there's some, you know, you can kind of play with numbers and especially when there's money involved in it. But um, when you look at the hospitalizations, now that's real. That's real. And the number of deaths, you know, they may not all be from COVID, but it's real. Um, I did a funeral not too long ago, and the funeral director told me that that particular day, this funeral home, is John Ireland and more, um, they had four services going on at the same time that day. Now, that's a little bit unusual. And then she told me that the very next day they had 12, count them, 12 families that already had appointments to plan funerals for that next week. Uh, any way you count that, that's, that's an uptick. That's an uptick. And when the medical people in our own church talked to me about how the hospitals are filling up and some are at capacity and some are you know, uh, just really struggling and all of that. That kind of stuff is real. And so uh, we want to do something to help, especially those who work in the hospitals, like we did before back in the spring of the year. And so a lot of you have been bringing things by the church that we can take to uh, help people in the emergency rooms and 
Um, you know, so that those medical personnel, when they're so busy in those 12-hour shifts, sometimes they don't have time to eat a meal or anything. We're, we're going to have snacks and things for them. So we want to do that. And we're going to try to keep our fingers on the pulse of our community to see if there are some things like that that we can do to try to minister and to try to help and to try to do some outreach. And so maybe the emphasis that the Lord is having us to um, embrace is not so much one of we've got to gather, we've got to gather, we've got to gather, we've got to gather. It's important, granted, and it's biblical. But maybe he's also saying to us, you need to go out and you need to go out and you need to go out. And we'll be looking at more ways to do that and to try to reach people for the cause of Christ. So pray with us and help us think about those kind of things. Uh, let's go ahead and take a look now at Psalm 103. And I'll do my best to get my device turned on here. There we go. And um, Psalm 103, we're going to finish it up. And then um, maybe on Wednesday nights for a few weeks, we'll do some different things that I hope you will enjoy. We're going to be looking at verses 19 through 22. 19 through 22. So um, go ahead and open your Bibles. And let's take a look at this together. And let's let the Word... Uh, I don't want you to only hear the Word. I want you to read the Word. And I want it to enter into your consciousness in those two different ways. It uh, will take a firm, uh, that it might have a firm root and take a hold of your mind and control you. Verse 19, Psalm 103, verse 19. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Hope that wasn't unclear. Verse 20. Bless the Lord, kind of the theme, you his angels who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Verse 21. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts. What's the difference between an angel and a host, I wonder? You ministers, another description, you ministers of his, who do his pleasure. Verse 22. Bless the Lord all his works in all places of his dominion, which, by the way, is everywhere. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And there he ends with the same thing he started with. So we have a sandwich here of bless the Lord, O my soul, and bless the Lord, O my soul, and then all of this that we've been talking about for several weeks in between. Pretty rich psalm, isn't it? David... Uh, wrote a psalm that has a lot of theology, a lot of doctrine, a lot of things we can learn out of that. And um, I appreciate songs that have good content. Uh, some of these songs that you're kind of iffy about whether it's talking to God or talking to a girlfriend, uh, not so much. And some of the songs to where they maybe get on a nice theme, but they just repeat it over and over and over. I mean... There's nothing particularly wrong with that. Uh, if you read in some of the Psalms, it'll say his mercy endures forever like 3,500 times. Um, so we're, we're not talking about that. Repetition's not bad. Jesus warned us against 
vain or empty repetition, mindless repetition. Well, now we've got a little bit of a problem. And some songs are almost hypnotic. You just say the same thing over and over and the music builds and the volume increases and the key changes and all of that. Eh, we don't really need that type of thing so much. But we do need songs that are like what David wrote here that have something for us to chew on, something for us to think about. Because when you take a song, it's easier to remember sometimes than just trying to memorize Scripture. And so Scripture songs and songs with scriptural content really do help us. And that's what David gives us an example of here. In fact, these verses that we're going to look at, my goodness, I mean, um, I suppose... If we really wanted to, we could probably chew on this for a long, long time. But I've got this in a series of questions. And I want to uh, take question number one is, what kind of king is he? What kind of king is he? That's based on verse 19. And it says he has, and here's the key word, established his throne in heaven. And uh, his kingdom rules over all. Is there any place where God's kingdom does not rule? And the answer, according to that verse, would be no. Now, we don't always see it. We don't always understand how it happens. But let's settle the issue. God is firmly in control. But let's look at that word established. That's a very, very important word. And it tells us that whatever it means that this establishment of the throne is in heaven. So it's high above the earth. It's not in a location. It's not in a particular region or something like that. Uh, we have different capitals and seats of government and uh, even monarchies on the earth today. And where do they rule? They have a certain territory, a certain place where they rule. Well, not the Lord. He rules from heaven. He's over all of the universe. He's in a place where he can see all of the galaxies, all of the planets, all of the stars, all of that. But he also sees everything on earth. There's not a place on earth that the Lord doesn't watch over and rule over because his throne is established in heaven. And notice also, too, this is interesting, the Lord has established his throne. No one established him. No one uh, crowned him. No one said, oh, you get to be the king <clears throat> or we're going to pass this on to you. The Lord did it himself. He took over. He created everything. He owns everything. He rules over everything. And so that word established is telling us that this is never-ending and never-changing. It's a firm foundation, something that is never going to end. And so when the Lord describes his kingdom and his throne and then says, and by the way, I established it, it's telling us that it's never going to change. You're never going to wake up and read in the newspaper that there is a new God. You're never going to wake up and read in the scripture that there is a new king or a change of government or anything like that. Nothing like that at all because he has established it himself and it's going to last as long as he does. How long is the Lord going to last? Well, remember we've read things like from everlasting to everlasting, you are God, those type of things. He's a, a being that has no beginning 
and no ending. Boy, that'll trip some circuit breakers in your brain, won't it? It's comprehensive. This is a kingdom that rules over all, and it is, well, as it says in uh, Handel's Messiah, and he shall reign forever and ever. Seems like that's biblical as well, okay? So that's number one. Number two, here's another question. Well, what kind of angels serve him? Do we think enough about angels? Now, uh, there's been kind of a resurgence of some of this with New Age thought and people worshiping angels and all kinds of kooky, crazy ideas about angels. And uh, are they good or are they bad? Are they fairies? Um, are they? Some people think they're UFOs. Um, you know, all kinds of stuff about angels. Well, um, here's our chance to kind of clear it up. It's not going to be comprehensive, but um, some things for you to think about. Bless the Lord. Remember, say good things, praise, worship, honor the Lord. You, his angels. What are they like? Who excel in strength and who do his word and heeding the voice of his word. They pay attention. Whenever the Lord speaks, the angels listen and they obey. And they never, according to this, they never go outside of the boundaries of his word. They do everything according to his word. And they have this excellent strength who excel in strength. Their strength is excellent. It excels. In other words, they always have the strength that they need and more to do whatever it is that God has commanded them to do. There'll never be a time when God will command an angel to do something that he does not empower them to do. Well, there's a principle in that because he won't do that for you either. He'll always give you the power to do what he wants you to do. This is not based upon what we're able to do. It's his strength working in us. Now, when we think about angels, we have to uh, consider that there are two types of angels. The Bible talks about, for example, when Paul writes to Timothy, he talks about elect angels. Elect angels. Well, those are the good ones. But there are also fallen angels, those that rebelled with Lucifer. Lucifer, Satan, he was an angel. And um, he led a rebellion in heaven, and a third of the angels uh, followed him. And went with him. And as some people have duly noted. If one third of the angels went with Lucifer. That means that holy angels outnumber the demons of hell two to one. Don't they? And that's always a good thing to uh, understand. But there are fallen angels. Demons are simply angels who are evil. Who have fallen. Who have rebelled against God. And the elect angels are the good angels. Who are loyal to their king. And um, understand that angels are created beings. They don't create anything. They're not magical. They're not mystical. They're not fairies or anything like that at all. They were created by God. And they are subordinate to him. Even demons believe and tremble. And even demons have 
uh, limited strength, limited opportunities, and they have a limited amount of time. Satan and his demons one day are going to be cast into the lake of fire. In fact, we're told by the Lord Jesus that the lake of fire was prepared for the devil and his angels. Those are his demons. And so uh, they're unwilling servants of God. Understand that. Now the Bible says they excel in strength, so they are supernatural beings, and they can and do work miracles, and demons will particularly work deceiving um, miracles. In fact, the Bible talks about the uh, beast and the false prophet in the end times that they will work lying, L-Y-I-N-G, lying signs and wonders. In other words, they're miracles that are deceptive. They're miracles that are designed to pull people away from God, not to God, away from the Scripture, not to the Scripture. And um, so we've always got to be careful. Just because something is supernatural doesn't mean it is of God. But we also would know then the same thing would be true of holy angels as well. And uh, they are supernatural beings. Um, Scripture tells us here, David does, that angels are constrained by his words. In other words, they're unable to uh, cross certain boundaries. Even Satan, even demons, they're not sovereign. Limited time, limited power, limited scope of operation. And um, the Lord is the one who is sovereign. And the uh, angels, even those who rebelled Lucifer, they were unable to overthrow him and they were unable to cross boundaries that he set for them. And in fact, it even references in the Bible that the devil is cast down and he's angry because he knows he has but a short time. How frustrating it must be for him to know that no matter how hard he tries or how hard he works, he cannot overthrow or thwart the will, plan, purpose, and prophecies of God. And holy angels recognize this and they're happy to fit into it and to fit into the plan. The um, evil angels, demons, are angry about it and they hate God, and they hate God's people, and they hate the plan of God, they hate the Word of God, and they hate the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so they attack, intimidate, harass, and do anything that they can. Praise God, though, that the Lord is the one who is sovereign over all of that, and that's where we rest as we battle and as we wrestle, not against flesh and blood, but against these uh, evil forces these fallen angels. And um, these verses indicate why there was so much angelic activity around the uh, incarnation, the first Christmas. Um, think about all the things that happened. It's an angel that shows up to tell Mary that uh, she's going to have a child. Uh, it's an angel that shows up that tells Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. It's angels that show up when the uh, shepherds are out uh, watching over their flocks by night and uh, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men and all of that. A lot of angelic activity, a flurry of it right around the uh, time of the coming of Jesus Christ, his incarnation or putting on a flesh. I wonder how much 
went on during his earthly ministry. There were times after he was tempted, angels came and ministered to him. We read uh, about some of these things, but uh, probably not uh, near as, as much as actually happened because angels generally operate in the unseen realm and we don't always see them. And uh, they can manifest themselves and they do on occasion, but most of the time, the vast majority of times, you're unaware of their presence except to know what the Bible says. He gives his angels charge over us and they're ministering spirits and they do things for us that uh, we don't even see. I've often wondered, uh, when I was in Sydney, Australia, you know those people drive on the wrong side of the road. And uh, that means that Americans have a tendency to get hurt because when we step off of the curb, we look to the left, which means we're looking the wrong way down there. And uh, I was down there and I just about stepped in front of a car because I was looking the wrong way and for some reason I took a step out and then I stepped back just as quick I've always wondered if there might have been an angel there that said come on bozo not now look the right way Uh, who knows who knows how many times they've saved my life or your life or intervened we don't know all of those times we just know that uh, they are here they are present and they minister I wonder um, how much angelic activity was around that uh, tomb at the resurrection. Can you imagine? And uh, can you imagine the clash? Can you imagine what was going on during uh, those times? Number three, we'll uh, move on here. We're running out of time. Um, What kind of a commander is he? Why do I ask that? Well, it says, bless the Lord, all you his hosts. You know, you read in the Old Testament, the Lord of hosts is his name. What's a host? What in the world are we talking about there? Uh, It's a military term. It's his armies. The Lord's host, his armies. This is a military type thing. And uh, we find that angels have ranks and they have assignments and different things like that. And uh, also, he calls them not only hosts, but also ministers. What's a minister? It's a servant. If you were in a very rich person's house or their castle, and they might ring a bell or they might call somebody's name, and then here come the servants. Here come the ministers. They come running, and they come, what, what can I do for you? What is it that you need? And they obey him. Well, that happens in the military, too, when a, a general or uh, some high-ranking officer speaks There are lower-ranking people that respond, and they respond very quickly, and they carry out those orders. And this is what we find in these verses where it talks about, um, bless the Lord, all you his hosts, his armies, and you ministers, you servants of his. And, uh, well, it describes it as the ones who do his pleasure. Whatever pleases the Lord is what pleases them. Whatever the Lord is happy with is what they are happy to do. That's a good place to be, by the way. And so he commands um, powerful spiritual armies, again, unseen armies, that do battle in places we're not even aware of. If you read in the book of Daniel uh, about a battle that went on uh, to get Daniel an answered prayer. 
Um, you read about battles that take place in the book of Revelation, those kind of things between angels and demons, those unseen battles that are going on. And notice that he gives them the authority to act and the power again to carry out his will. Uh, this is kind of going up into that uh, uh, previous point. Uh, and he is the one who executes uh, judgment and he does it sometimes through his armies, the angels. The uh, angel of the Lord brought death to 185,000 Assyrians in 2 Kings 19, verse 35, and also uh, to the children of Israel until the Lord told him to stay his hand at Jerusalem in 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 6. And these ministers, meaning servants, I'm reminded of Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? In other words, God sends his angels and he sends them out as ministering spirits to us. Doubtless you've had times when angels ministered to you and you don't even know it. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 11, and it says, Then the devil left him after the temptation, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Okay, that's the kind of commander he is. The angels love him, they serve him, they do his pleasure, and they not only minister to us, but when Jesus is on earth, they even ministered to him. Holy angels. And number four, we want to ask the question, what kind of creator is he? You know, the creation by God, the doctrine of creation is really under attack now, has been since Darwin, I guess, or maybe even before then, because false religions will say that false gods created the uh, earth and the universe. But the Bible is very clear. Verse 22, bless the Lord all his works in all places of his dominion, wherever he rules, everything in creation ought to be blessing the Lord. Well, we know the heavens do because the Bible tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God. Well, I think he's talking about us, created beings of God. We ought to be the ones that are blessing the Lord, and yet we blaspheme, the God, the, blaspheme our God so much. Pardon me. And think about this. What kind of creator is he? Well, he's the God who made everything. But he didn't just make it, you know, just kind of, um, you know, by a recipe or out of something. He made it out of nothing. When I was a kid and my dad was in the military, there was a significant number of uh, people who had married uh, German women from World War II. And right next door to us, there was a, a captain who lived there who had married a German lady um, back at the end of World War II or maybe in the 50s, I don't know. And um, she was really curious about American-style cooking. And she was talking to one of the ladies in our neighborhood and talking about biscuits or something like that. And the lady said, uh, you know, where do you buy them? Do you get them in a can? Do you get them in a box? And the American lady said, no, I made him from scratch. And the German lady's writing stuff down. And she said, okay, where do you get this scratch? 
And uh, I thought about that. It's kind of funny because the American woman said, I don't, I make it myself, is what she was saying. Is that the way God made the earth and the universe and you from scratch? Well, see, the truth of the matter is, when you think about making it from scratch, you got flour, baking powder, maybe sugar, um, maybe water or milk or eggs or any number of things like that, and we call that scratch. Well, God didn't make the universe from scratch. He made it from nothing. Theologians call it ex nihilo, out of nothing, absolutely nothing. This is a God who made you and who made me. This is the God who made the animals. This is a God who made our planet and our atmosphere. This is a God who made the universe in which we live. Everything that we have and everything that we see. In fact, John chapter 1 verse 3 says, All things were made through him, meaning Jesus, and without him was not anything made that was made. And so this is a God who can take a whole universe filled with nothing. And look what he makes out of it. Galaxies that we don't even know anything about. A heaven that is up there above all of this that has streets of gold, right? Gates of pearl. We can't even find it until we're taken out of here in death or in the rapture. And we see everything around us. Think about how the, the world perfectly orbits the sun think about how gravity is just perfect for life think about how oh the air that we have to breathe is exactly what it needs to be think about how wherever you go and whatever you look in the ecosystem there's always something that eats something else that no one else wants to eat buzzards for example there are different types of bacteria all kinds of things like that all perfectly formed together by the Lord think about you and think about the way your body functions think about the way that we are able to think and comprehend think about language and speech and think about all of the things that human beings are able to build and things that we are able to discover think discover think about all that we've learned in just a short period of time about covid-19 think about this vaccine that is just coming out and uh, all kinds of things like that scientific discoveries think about all of that and remember that we didn't come up with this out of nothing god gave us all of this. He's the only one that can create things out of nothing. So what should creation do? Hey, folks, this is a no-brainer. We ought to be blessing the Lord. We ought not be just simply cursing and frustrated and upset and all of those kind of things. We ought to be the people that find every reason in the world to bless the Lord, especially as we think about at this season of the year, God loved us so much that he sent his only son to take on flesh so that he could be flesh and blood, so that he could live a perfect life and then die on the cross. And as he dies on the cross for us, he's able as God to shed his own blood because he put on flesh and die as the innocent for the guilty. He didn't owe us anything. And if he had done what um, 
He probably should have. He would have left us alone in our sin to let the sin multiply unrestrained and then send us to an eternity in hell. And yet he didn't do that. And you and I are privileged to be in his family, privileged to be among his elect, privileged to be in um, the ones who are going to be heirs of God. And not only that, but joint heirs with Jesus, the only begotten Son of God. We are blessed. We are highly favored. And we are the recipients of magnanimous grace. So what should we do? Well, David summed it up. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So with that, I hope you have a Merry Christmas. And I hope your Christmas is filled with the blessings of God being poured into your life. But even more so, would you concentrate on something else? Letting the blessings of God flow from you unto his holy throne because he deserves it. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Thank you for taking time to be a part of this study. Thank you for thinking about these things, and I pray that they've been food for thought and a lot of godly and profitable meditation, and uh, the Lord would continue to bless you during this season of the year for his glory. God bless. Thank you.